Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and joining me this week are Paul Third, Callum Law, and Andy Skinner. You know them all so well by now. How are you, how are you guys? Good, thanks. I fine, thanks. Just another day, another new manager in the Highlands. It's uh, <laughs> coming around quite regularly these days. Well, I was going to say, and I think we're all maybe looking forward to the off season. It's it's always a bit busy with transfer stuff. It's been a bit quieter than this, but it's been the last week when I was making the, the plan for today. Uh, it's actually incredible that it's all happened in the last seven days or near enough. We'll start, of course, with Inverness's managerial appointment today, Billy Dodds, uh, getting the job, I think, expectedly on a two-year deal. But we'll also have to talk about Ross County. What a week it's been in Dingwall. I won't spoil any of that just now. There's also some Aberdeen business, Niall McGinn and Christian Ramirez. Uh, the things we'll be talking about with the Dons, and then we'll even go lower than that into the lower leagues and the Highland League. But yes, first, today, this morning, Billy Dodds served as interim assistant manager at the end of last season at the Caledonian Stadium, and he's now taken the top job serving as manager. Obviously, we, we've already discussed the fact that John Robertson has moved upstairs in a sporting director role, decided not to come back to the dugout. So, Andy, are most Cali Jags fans going to be happy with Dodds as an appointment? From the initial uh, reactions, um, it, it does seem to have gone down pretty well, um, this appointment at Inverness. Um, maybe a noble twist. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't say that for all appointments that we've, we've had in the, <laughs> the Highlands over the last few days. But uh, I think the, the impact that Billy Dodds made on the playing squad when he came in as interim assistant manager was was pretty tangible. Um, you know, he came in to assist Neil McCann and, and their form picked up instantly. They, they won six games in a row, I think. Um, you know, he's, he's served a, a long apprenticeship as a number two, um, you know, most notably with Jim McIntyre at Ross County, but also under Gordon Chisholm at uh, Dundee and Queen of the South. Um, and, and then obviously recently with Neil McCann. And I think the, the feeling is that he... He's ready to, to have a, a go at it himself. Um, I think the club were were always keen on on getting him in and giving him this opportunity, but you know they were keen to to go through the proper process, um, you know, and, and and interview as many people as they as they could. Um, but uh, I think you know Billy Dodds was always the the front runner, and it comes as little surprise that he's he's in the door. Not to be forgotten, he's also a private coach for the Euros top goal scorer, Lyndon Dykes. Um but yeah, what was what was Dodgy saying this morning at his his press conference? What what are his priorities, do you think? He um he understands the you know the demands of the club, having lived in the, the area um, you know, since he was Ross County assistant manager. You know, he's he's obviously done a lot of media work for the, the BBC covering games and you know he, he knows what's expected. He he knows that the playoffs are the the minimum goal that, uh, that needs to be achieved this season. You know, Inverness missed out last season. It was a truncated campaign um, in which they they obviously had some challenging circumstances with the managerial team um, midway through the season. But uh, you know, Dodds in no doubt as to to the fact that they need to to have a, a go at promotion this season. Um, knows it's going to be a, a very difficult league again. Um, you know, despite Hearts going. Going up, you know, there's teams like Kilmarnock and Hamilton that have come down. Partick Thistle, another you know big side that have uh, that have come up from League One. So, uh, you know, he knows what's expected there. Um, 
but I think the fact that he's got this familiarity with the squad, having, as I say, been in and around the club uh, towards the tail end of last season, will allow him to to kind of hit the ground running. There are a few players that are out of contract who, you know, I'm sure he will be looking to make quick decisions on. Um, and yeah, yeah, you just couldn't really wipe the excitement off his <laughs> off his face. Really, he was, you know, genuinely thrilled at being, you know, given this opportunity, which in his own words, he said he, he's felt ready for, for, for quite some time. And Inverness have got a good track record when it comes to, you know, first time managers doing, doing well and, you know, moving on to, to bigger and better things. Um, you know, obviously John Robertson a long time ago was, was handed his first managerial job, you know, done it with Craig Brewster, Charlie Christie in the past. Um, you know, so there's, there's no reason why Billy Dodds can't uh, can't succeed now that he's been given this uh, you know leap of faith by by Scott Gardner and Carly Thistle. Andy, obviously, you know can more about Inverness than the the rest of us. I think it's fair to say, but my sort of reading of this appointment would be that it just makes absolute sense. Really, I mean, as you sort of touched on working with the players in the season just finished, and also working with. Barry Wilson and Ryan Essen, who are there as coaches, he sort of knows the club inside out already and he'll know the stamp he wants to put in it. Another thing I think which is particularly important for Inverness, who will be working again, we would imagine, with a pretty modest uh, budget next season, is the contacts that Billy Dodds has through, you know, long and varied playing career coaching career as a number two in various places and even through his punditry work knows a lot of people so he's you would imagine he would have very good contacts and in terms of sort of sourcing players who can do a job for Inverness on sort of modest means I think he could be proved to be pretty adept in that department in the championship next season is perhaps to a degree more interesting than it was this season in that there's not really any team you would look at at this stage and think that they're going to really run away with it. Obviously, Kilmarnock and Hamilton are coming down, but there's Kilmarnock especially, big rebuilding jobs there. Partick's coming up, but we're not, again, there's a bit of a turnover, so we're not sure quite what they'll be like. So it's, I think it's very, can, very much open next season, the Championship. It's interesting because there can't have been too many 52-year-olds taking their dipping their toe in the water for their first managerial job. But uh, fair play to Dodsey. I mean, since he went up to the Highlands, he's kind of fallen in love with the place and it's very much home now. He, he had the chance to go to Ross County after Jim McIntyre left, but decided, I suppose, out of loyalty that he would probably go with Jim. Um, but clearly he, he has got that itch to get back into the game and I think it's going to be a good a good match, Carly Thistle and Billy Dodds. I don't really want to do this here because it goes against all the podcast formatting lessons I've learned over the months, but I'm going to jump in with a Ross County related question here before we're on the Ross County section, Andy. Will Billy Dodds be looking at any of the 10 Ross County players that have, well, have the former Ross County players, the players that have departed Dingwall as part of his building job for next season, do you think? I, I, I think it would be um, remiss of him not to, uh, you know, at least consider some of the, you know, the options that are available and maybe have some conversations. 
Um, you know, I look at you know of the players that have played for Inverness previously. Um, you know, before going to Ross County, you look at Ian Vigers, Ross Draper, Billy Mackay, Carol Tremarco, all guys that are you know based in the Highlands with with young families. Um, they've been in the Highlands for a long time, and that you know when you touched on recruitment there, Callum, that that's been a challenge of both. You know Ross County and Inverness over the years is is actually, you know, getting players to reroute and 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 come up to the Highlands, but when when there is you know that albeit limited market of players that are already up here and um, settled, then it, it makes the conversation a lot easier when it comes to to trying to bring you know new faces in. Um, so I I think I mean he, he obviously worked with. Billy Mackay and Ross Draper briefly when he was at County, um, so you know he'll have a uh, you know an understanding of what they can offer. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think I wouldn't be surprised to to see those types of guys considered at all. Okay, since we've touched on them, we'll now take a short break, and when we return, we'll discuss the week that has been for Ross County. You know what it's like. You buy a new jumper or socks for Father's Day. Your dad makes appreciative noises, but folds the jumper aside and smiles. But if your dad or granddad was a football or rugby man when he was younger, we've got books with hundreds of never-before-seen photos which will show the interests, the passions, the great days, the best time of your dad's life. He will bury himself in these books for the rest of the day. This is the stuff he really, truly cares about. Yours will be the best gift he's been given in years. With books on Aberdeen FC, Dundee United, rugby, Scottish football internationals and even football grounds themselves, where he'd have celebrated and commiserated as a boy. These big, beautiful books will feel like a substantial gift when you hand over the parcel. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 15% discount on the books in our Football in the Black and White Era series at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code GIFT15 at checkout. That's G-I-F-T-1-5 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And if this sounds like something you'd like, go on, treat yourself. Or maybe drop a series of heavy hints. Okay, so when we've done our John Hughes reaction, the reaction to him leaving podcast, last week we threw a few names about. Um, Andy told us we was going to get the job. Now, Andy, I won't, I won't be harsh on you like that. <laughs> but no one, dis- no one mentioned the name Malky Mackay. Um, that podcast went on Tuesday, I think. By Wednesday, Malky Mackay was in the door in Dingwell, Dingwall. Um, I think it's it's proved a controversial move, it'd be safe to say. Mackay's past um, and in his involvement in discriminatory text messages during his time at Cardiff City, um, that's, that's still something that is associated with him and fans have different views on whether he should be back in top-level management or whether he shouldn't be. Um, I'm going to ask your opinions on that. I'm also going to ask... Generally, given because of those things, Mackay has been out of the game for six or seven years, I think, um, working in a performance director role at the SFA, but not working as a manager. Um, 
Is this a gamble from Ross County appointing him? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you, you know, he hasn't been a, a manager for, for six years, as you say. Um, and, yeah, you can see just from the, the reaction that it's caused among, you know, some of their fan base. Uh, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't say the whole fan base, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not gone down well in certain quarters. And, um, you know, that, that brings its own risk as well. I think what Malky Mackay has been keen to stress is the fact that you know, Roy McGregor is not the, the the first person who has employed him since you know those text messages came to light. He had a brief spell at Wigan, which didn't you know work out well at all. Um, but then you know he's had this uh, this spell as performance director with the SFA, and I think that's where um, you know his connection with Roy McGregor has you know essentially caught caught the attention of the the Staggies chairman and. I think there there has become a relationship there, um, and just with the haste of the appointment after it was announced, John Hughes was going to leave. I think it's safe to say that this was a an idea that uh, that Roy McGregor had in his in his head for perhaps some time. Um, whether he was expecting the amount of negative reaction to it, or whether that came as a surprise to him. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, it certainly has left uh, County in a tricky situation, and certainly Malky Mackay in, in need of a, you know, a pretty good start to his his tenure um, from the, the beginning of next season. All things being equal, Malky Mackay is a good appointment for Ross County, but as we know, all things are not equal in this one, and that's why the fans. By and large, we have to say, it's, I think it's been the majority, judging by what I've seen, are up in arms about it. They don't like the image of the club, especially after the comment from the chairman just a couple of hours previously saying we need to rediscover our identity. I think a lot of fans are looking going, what is our identity when we're appointing a man with a, a troubled past, shall we say? And... Uh, I don't know Malky Mackay at all, but he's worked at the, the highest level, the Premier League in England. He's worked at international level. He's got a good CV in terms of what he'll know about young players in Scotland. But does all of that go down well with the Ross County fans or can they not look past this huge other part of his of his CV, which basically led to him being in disgrace for years. That, that That's the issue. And I think that the biggest mistake in all of this from Ross County's point of view is they didn't address it. I mean, their statement in announcing their new manager didn't mention it at all. That's incredible. Incredible. And that's why the county fans were furious. Some of them will have calmed down by now. And Roy McGregor eventually coming out and speaking is certainly, I would think, smooth the waters in that in that respect for some but others will still be like i can't believe we didn't even acknowledge what's happened here and why this guy is the right guy for us they needed someone to do that i agree with a lot of what you've said there sardi because it's almost sort of felt like and I, again i don't know malcolm McCoy, but the way it's sort of been handled it almost sort of felt like there was a a reluctance really to from either people at Ross County or for him personally to sort of address what has gone on in the past and to me 
in a situation like they've had, it would have probably gone down better with the supporters and been easier to square it with the supporters potentially if both in their statement and in the sort of first press conference they came out before anything else and said, look, we're addressing this just now. And I mean, Malky McKay in the past has apologised for um, for what happened and has shown that he's sort of um, reflected on that and rehabilitated himself, uh, for want of another word. So he's, and he obviously work as Andy touched on working in other jobs, has moved on and has been given a second chance and he's all, I'm sure he's uh, grateful for that. But even still, when he came to Ross County with his supporters and with the likes ourselves, obviously, covering the club, he was always going to be asked about it and there were always going to be questions raised. So to me, I think it would have been, eventually they have addressed it, but to me it would have perhaps given them an easier ride really if they had come out and addressed it to to begin with as soon as uh, Malky was appointed. In terms of on the park, obviously there's a bit of a rebuilding job, I think, there, given the, the players Ross County have been let go. So I think in terms of the football side, it'll be interesting to see what sort of players he can attract to Ross County and given his performance director role at the SFA, if he is going to sort of go down this, pr- trying to bring through more youth and sort of go with a young team and give young players a chance. I mean, we saw even last this season... Josh Reed coming into the Ross County team and doing really well and getting a move down to Coventry. So maybe uh, Roy McGregor and Ross County are hoping there can be some more players sort of following in his footsteps as well. To get further into the Ross County fans' bad books, as you discussed there, the player's been released, Callum. I don't necessarily think the Staggies fans were particularly... Annoyed by most of the players, the 10, uh, Ian Vigers, Michael Gardine, Callum Morris, Ross Draper, Billy McKay, Jason Naismith, Jermaine Hilton, Mohamed Moush, Kyle Tremarco, Tony Andrew. I think only Naismith really have I seen fans saying what we're releasing him for. And the understanding was that Naismith was open to a new deal. I think, I think what got the fans about those players being released was the manner in which they were released. I think... All the players have come out and sort of agreed. Um, from what I've seen, Andy, you might correct me, but they all appear to have felt a lack of a lack of respect. Maybe in, in Michael Gardine, the club's record appearance holder and goal scorer, released by Zoom, for example, the players left waiting for what a week or so after the season ended, two weeks after the season ended, to find out whether they would be kept on, players with mortgages to pay, things like that, and need to find new clubs for themselves if they weren't going to stay at County. It wasn't, it wasn't the best PR strategy, was it? Uh, well, it was It was 10 days, I think, after the, the Motherwell game was uh, out the way, um, You know, by which time County knew that they were safe and they were planning for a, a premiership season. But it, it took over a week for John Hughes's future to be resolved and then another couple of days before Malky Mackay was brought in, and I think in that time players have been saying that they, you know, they weren't really kept up to, to speed with anything. There was no holding message to to say, you know, we're we're working on this, uh, you know, we'll we'll get back to you. Um, 
and I think there's also been a although it was Stephen Ferguson who conducted the um you know the, the the chats with the players either in person for those that lived and were still staying locally and and over zoom for those that couldn't uh, couldn't make the the commute um I think there has been a general doubt over who has actually made the decisions it was something that you know was apparent when I spoke to Jason Naismith yesterday that uh, you know he understands it wasn't actually Malky Mackay that took the the call to to release him. Um, so there's just been a, a lingering uncertainty, um, and players are, you know, very unhappy about the the fact that they've been left to to wait over, you know, their their own futures really. Um, and, and and you know, it's amounted to long-serving players such as Ian Vigers and Michael Gardine, most notably, kind of leaving County on a bit of a sour note, which I don't think anyone. Uh, connected to the club really once um, so it's it's not been a, an easy few days for the for the club that's uh, putting it mildly I think what you're saying Andy about the sort of dubiety about who made the decision is a really interesting one because we've heard it said that uh, the, cl- the club made the decision not Malky Mackay but, but who it, you know it leaves the question who is the club the cl- you know the the club isn't one person, so who's actually made the decision? Whether you ever, we ever uh, find out about that, but who's actually made the decisions? A a really interesting one, and I kind of find it sli- slightly strange as well. I know we were talking about this at a length of time the players had to wait, but when Malky McCoy's come in as manager, I'd imagine certainly the sort of regulars the veterans that county that had been that have been released i'd imagine he would have seen all of them in action and might have had opinions on them so i thought with him just being appointed it might have dragged on a wee bit longer until he made a decision because i mean he's going to be the manager going forward so i thought he might have some of those players potentially i thought he might have you know, been given the time to to make the calls on them. In terms of some of you mentioned, well, I think it was maybe Ryan even mentioned Jason Naismith being one that the county supporters were quite disappointed about. I thought it's kind of strange. I just find it strange because I know obviously there's been managerial changes, but when he came back to Ross County last year, there seemed to be a real sense of sort of this was a a state you know a statement signing for them in a player that could be a big part of the Stargies side for the the next few years and then six months down the line he's on his way and there's a couple others I mean I know he's now the wrong side of 30 but Billy Mackay to me is one that I would have kept he's a proven goal scorer at premiership level and they don't you know they're a pretty difficult thing to get a hold of uh, proven goal scorers at that level and Vigers and Michael Gardine, they're obviously uh, have given a lot of service to Ross County over the years. But and I think, even though again they're probably nearer the end of their career than the start, they proved in the running, you know that they how much they could still had to offer and that they could still contribute a great deal to to Ross County's cause. So they out of the play, players that were let go, they were probably the four that. Uh, took me by surprise the most really yeah I find Naismith 
Naismith baffling when you consider he was a player that before he went down to England was linked with teams like Aberdeen and things like that. Um, anyway, we'll see how things unfold at Ross County. Talking of Aberdeen, we'll move on to them next. Okay, so a bit of Aberdeen news today. Paul, Niall McGinn, I think we discussed in a previous episode that the consensus was Niall McGinn was worthy of a new deal. He might not have the legs anymore, but he's still got that bit of magic. He signed a one-year deal to be part of the, the Stephen Glass revolution. We we generally content with that, yeah? I am, personally. I mean, I, I put my cards on the table before the season finished, saying I would give Niall McGinn another year. He contributes assists. He's got an eye for goal. Yes, he can't get up and down the line like he once did, but in a central role playing off... A big striker, of which we now have one, in J. Emmanuel Thomas, and we may have another yet, which we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute. I can see him contributing quite a lot. He's just he's just a clever, clever player, and you don't throw them out, <laughs> not, not when you're rebuilding a team. And it is a, a young team that's been left behind after all the releases, and they need some old heads, which they certainly now have, with the... When I look at the ages of all the guys who seem to be coming in or signing up for next year, but I don't think that's a bad thing. It's, it's all about getting the blend right. But no, I'm I'm delighted to see Niall McGinn hanging around. I would have to agree, uh, by and large, with Paul. That I mean, over you know, McGinn has even in the difficulties that Aberdeen endured, particularly in the second half of this season, McGinn showed and fits and starts really that he can still contribute and you can still add something I do think the uh, the central role is where he's playing off a striker is where his future lies definitely I do also think he might be depending on the other signings that Dons are able to make this summer I do think he might be one going forward who's used more as an impact substitute perhaps when a game's uh, I suppose open up opened up a bit more in the final quarter and he's perhaps got a bit more space to to work in and that sort of thing. But it remains to be seen, obviously, with that. But I think, on the whole, uh, given Niall McGinn a, another, another year, uh, Aberdeen will probably do worse bits of business uh, this summer. I think that continuity is important, even if Niall McGinn isn't going to play every single week. Um, you know, it's clear that there are going to be big changes to Aberdeen's kind of forward line under the you know their attacking unit. But as we saw in January, making too many changes too quickly, you know, is isn't always going to work. Because um, obviously, the situation arose in January where Sam Cosgrove, Curtis Main, Bruce Anderson all left, and uh, Hornby, Camberry, and Hendry all came in on loan and took time to to get up and running to have some form of continuity. You know, in in that attacking area, I think is is going to be crucial. Um, as I say, even if McGinn's impact is, you know, quite often going to be from the bench, um, he still showed, even from the start, though, that he can make a telling impact. He, his goal against Livingston in the Scottish Cup towards the tail end of the season was a timely reminder of that. Um, but no, certainly a a good asset to to still be carrying around the squad. No doubt about that. Another Don's attacking moves. If ever there was um, a, a link to a player that maybe demonstrated how different things may be under Stephen Glass than they were under Derek McInnes, 
it was towards the end of last week when it became apparent that they're pursuing a deal for Houston Dynamo striker Christian Ramirez, a twice-capped US international. He's not. Um, he's no Louis Moult, Paul. <laughs> Who is? Um, no, uh, Chris, Christian Ramirez. What can I tell you? Houston Dynamo, six foot two. He, Atlanta tried to sign him in March last year when Joseph Martinez had. Uh, suffered a cruciate ligament injury right at the start of the season, but there were, that move was rejected. Uh, he knows Alan Russell, the assistant coach, well. Um, I think the two of them worked together out in uh, Los Angeles at one point prior to him earning his international recognition. So I'm sure Mr. Russell can say, well, I played a, a part in that, given international strikers have been where he's cut his own teeth uh, prior to Now it's the payback time. Yeah. <laughs> That would be good. It would be good. Um, oh, listen, who knows how this is going to go or whether this guy's a player. We're all, we're all looking at YouTube footage and what have you. Um, it's interesting that Sean Wallace did a piece last week and even the player himself liked it. That's the power of social media for you. Um, oh, let, let, let's see what happens. I think there's there's a lot of red tape to get through in terms of the Dons agreeing a fee and overcoming all the hurdles that come with signing a player for the MLS and then trying to get a work permit for him. I think that's the, going to be the hardest task of all. But we have a new director of football in Stephen Gunn now. Let's see if he can earn his corn and, and make his case for getting this guy over here. He's certainly what, what fans are going to want to see. Um, I mean, you look at the other guys. Niall McGinn signed a new deal. We've got J. Emmanuel Thomas, Scott Brown, Declan Gallagher, Gary Woods as the other bits of business so far. All guys from the, how do I say this, the Premiership Tombola. Uh, this is a new, different option completely. A guy coming in from the States, if they can get this deal done. And I think that's the one that's going to get the fans, if not excited, certainly intrigued. What else do they all have in common, Paul? Yeah, uh, uh, well, I have a theme tune to a certain wartime show coming into <laughs> my head. Um, Gary Woods is 30, Declan Gallagher, 30. Uh, Ramirez, 30. Uh, any guesses how old G. Emmanuel Thomas is? 30 by any chance. Uh, here you go. Uh, and then you've got Niall at 33 and the leader of the pack, Scott Brown at 35, very soon to be 36. But listen, I, I don't I don't mind that. I, I spoke to, to Craig Brown last week um, for a, a few pieces ahead of the Euros and he made is the he point. Is he signing? <laughs> I was waiting to say, is Craig well, Brown hey, pulling on the boots? He, he he made the point. He says, "Who wins major championships?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know." And he went, "The oldest team." He says, "Go and look <laughs> through the squads and look at the previous campaigns. The most experienced teams are the ones who are, tend to be very successful in the finals of major tournaments." Maybe he's just backing up his own logic in that. Given the squads he picked when he was Scotland manager, I know that's the criticism he always got. But ah, no, I'm I'm up for a bit of intrigue and excitement ahead of the new season. Good. Uh, the point I was going to make, going back to, uh, and it's actually one I've sort of uh, pilfered, shall we say, from somebody far better qualified to talk about football than me, which is uh, Don's great Willie Miller, who uh, said today in his column when it came to Christian Ramirez that really with signings like these, it's about basically trusting the judgment of Stephen Glass and Alan Russell because they know the American market, they've been over there, they know players over there that they think could come to Aberdeen and improve Aberdeen, 
and he basically said you've got to trust him with that because as much as we can do our research over here and you can look at YouTube videos of Christian Ramirez or whatever that is Willie's point was that that's limited in terms of how much you can gain compared with actually seeing him in the the flesh or working with him as Alan Russell has so really with these sort of signings I think you know you have to trust the manager's judgment but when it comes to obviously signing uh, strikers well beefing up the attacks is a big priority I suppose this summer and you were mentioning the over 30s one name that I would have whether Aberdeen consider him or not I don't know but one name I would have thrown in that we've just been talking about would be Billy Mackay. I mean, he's available in a free. Tra- he's at thirty-two, available in a free transfer, and doing a bit of research before uh, we started recording this, he's scored a hundred and twenty goals during his time in Scottish football across Inverness, Cali Thistle, Ross County, and Dundee United. And with the greatest will in the world, other than his first spell at Cali Thistle, he's been playing in sides with. You know, and well, when he's been at Dundee United and Ross County, he's been playing in sides that have been struggling at the wrong end of the Premiership, really, and he's still scored goals. So if next season Aberdeen are playing a sort of attacking, exciting style of football and creating a lot of chances, I think if you're creating a lot of chances, if you have Billy Mackay in your team, he'll score you 15, 20 goals a season. I believe, maybe Andy knows better than me this I believe since the Premiership began Billy Mackay is the second top scorer in the division would that be correct Andy behind Lee uh, Griffiths I think that that could be correct because he I mean I he, maybe made that up but I think uh, I think that is the case the point um, is he scores a lot of it should be <laughs> it should be noted by the way um one thing we haven't mentioned about Ramirez is the absolute exorbitant wage he is reportedly on close to a million dollars a year dollars or pounds Paul uh, dollars. dollars, dollars. I know I they pay him in dollars, but I just wondered if we'd converted it. Um, so that'll obviously require a bit of trimming elsewhere at Pataudry, perhaps, if they're going to manage to land Ramirez. So I'm sure we'll also have to be generous in how much he's asking for. Anyway, that's you up to date with Aberdeen. So we'll move on. Next up, we'll discuss a bit of lower league and Highland League stuff, and then we'll send you on your way. Okay, so as general as questions come, Callum, what's been happening at Peterhead? A couple of high-profile players committing for another season. Uh, yeah, well, the the uh, biggest news at Peterhead in recent uh, times, I suppose, is Scott Brown, the captain, staying on again for next season. Scott, well, he was out of contract, as uh, the, the whole squad were, but... Um, Jim McAnally was expecting him to attract a bit of interest from full-time sides. He has in previous years, but there's never quite been an offer that's uh, really suited him or enticed him enough to go back to full-time football. But uh, And it turned out it's been the same again this year because he's decided he's going to stay, which is uh, very good news for, for Peter Head. Really, he's been their top scorer the last two seasons and captain and just... Really, a driving force in the middle of the park. If you speak to Jim, he sort of says, "Oh, he's irreplaceable." So they're kind of fortunate to retain him, I guess. Another player that's staying is Derek Lyle, is a 
player coach uh, next season. He's 40, Derek, but he's sort of showed in the, the running towards the end of the season that he could still contribute, scored a couple of goals and got a couple of starts here and there. So um, he sort of, can, having spoken to Derek, he seemed to kind of convince himself as much as anything that he could still contribute because the, the offer was there from it, Peterhead, but he was actually seriously considering retiring but he's going to carry on another piece of incoming business is Brett Long being signed a goalkeeper who's been with East Fife for the past few seasons has done well enough uh, there and he's coming in to to challenge uh, or compete with Lenny Wilson for the number one spot so that could be an interesting little battle uh, between the sticks at Balmour next season What happened with Josh Ray? Callum, the oh, he was number one for a large chunk of last season. Well, Josh Ray, there was an offer there for him to remain, but it seemed like, or from what I've been told, he was sort of looking at options elsewhere and was hoping for a return to full time football, whether it was in Scotland or down south. And uh, when the opportunity came up to sign Brett Long rather than sort of wait you know and see if they might retain Josh Ray or that Peterhead moved to sign Brett Long and have basically let uh, allowed Josh Ray to go and he's got other options there so I'm sure he won't be a, a free agent for too long Got to say Peterhead missing a big chance to sign a goalkeeper called Carl to go alongside their goalkeeper called Lenny anyway Cove, they've also had a good week. They've had a, a few new contracts. They've got, I think they've released Adam Livingston, but Connor Scully, Blair Yule, key parts of their ascension from the Highland League. They're staying on, as is Fraser Fivey, who, to be fair, probably is still a surprise maybe that Fraser is at the club, given where he's been earlier in his career, but he appears to have settled there. And Stuart McKenzie, another key component that's been at the club for years and years, while in the Highland League, he's, he's staying on as well to tend the goal um one thing that we could should also note is mitch meganson probably a deserved winner of league one's player of the year award well starting with mitch as you mentioned there i don't think uh, there's anybody really could have had too many complaints about that because he's been absolutely excellent uh, all season for cove and finished top scorer in the division as, as well so i mean it was kind of um logical really that he was uh, given that award and well done to him and I'm sure he'll be looking for more of the same next season in terms of the extensions that uh, Cove have secured I mean it's been quite impressive Connor Scully in particular is one that uh, I'm sort of drawn to because he's come through the sort of youth set up at Cove and come into the first team and he's not, unlike a, quite a few of their players when they did get promoted to the SPFL, he'd never played beyond Highland League level but over the last two seasons he's basically been an ever-present and shown, you know, he's more than capable of playing at that level and being a really key player for them. Blair Yule to a degree is a bit the same but he did have a season with our broth and was sort of a known quantity in the SPFL as well. And Stuart McKenzie had previously been at Montrose, and obviously they've been, uh, been key players for Cove as well. But they had sort of 
proven themselves higher up before, whereas Connor hadn't. And Fraser Fivey, I think, can everyone really knows that he's just a, a class act, really, at, uh, at League One level, Fraser, given the ability and the experience that he's got. And, I mean, he's sort of one of these, if Cove are hoping to go higher in the future, Ken Fraser will probably be there on that journey with them, you would imagine, because he's, Ken, would or certainly I think most people that have seen Fraser play would acknowledge that he could play at a higher level, but it seems like he's really uh, enjoying it again, you know, injuries and difficulties at Dundee United, but since he has come to Cove, it seems like he's really sort of relished the, the challenge of, be, the, uh, of being at Cove and what they're trying to achieve. More than one way to skin a cat is the lesson from Connor Scully and Blair Yule, I'd say. Um, we've also learned the Premier Sports Cup draw, that's the Betfred Cup or the League Cup, as it was previously known for our next season. Um, we, the draw's been kind to us, to be fair. We'll get a, an early glimpse at um, Cove against Peterhead. We've also got a good North group as well, don't we, Andy? Aye, Ross County and Brewer have been paired together. This is an exciting one. Um I mean, Stephen Mackay, as a former county player, um, will relish the, the chance to, to come up against the Premiership Staggies. Um, no, that, that's certainly one that, uh, that stands out. Um, Inverness have got Hearts again. They always seem to be paired with, with Hearts at the group stage of this competition. Um, so even though Hearts have gone up, they, uh, they will meet again. Also caught my eye, and I'm doing these off the top of my head, by the way, that... Um, Elgin City and Kelly Hearts have been paired together, so we'll get a good we'll get a good early glimpse at what might be on the cards for a League Two next season between those two um, promotion hopefuls. Uh, on the Highland League, we've had a few Fraserburgh contract extensions over the last week. Inverurie Locos have taken back defender Kieran Adams. He's been playing straight in the juniors, but Andy Lowe taking them back up Highland League level. The big Highland League story that we've not had a chance to discuss yet from falling off from their AGM last week um, is the fact that it's been confirmed there'll now be a relegation playoff for the team that finishes bottom of the Highland League. Um, but Callum, you have your doubts whether there's that many clubs that could potentially fill the void or or be the, the aspirational promotion chasing club in that playoff. Well, the first thing I would say on that is uh, that it hasn't been entirely confirmed yet. There's been discussions. What going? There's been discussions going on, sort of over a period of weeks and months about it, and I think it's just about sort of all the loose ends are tied up. But uh, it's not. It was the reason it sort of came out was because I was speaking to the new president of the Highland League, George Manson, and he sort of was talking about this. Uh, next three years is when he's president and that was one of the things that was uh, on the horizon uh, close to happening. I think the how this has come about and the sort of maybe the issues around it has been because the SFA want to have this sort of pyramid where as we've seen with the likes of Cove and Kelty Hearts Edinburgh City where teams can move up through the leagues and the idea is that you can obviously start at the very bottom and potentially go up and play in the premiership or whatever so which is understandable and obviously in the rest of the country it's been different because the lowland league was formed as a new league as a feeder into the spfl and they've been able to work the pyramid round about that and in the central belt a lot of the junior teams have sort of jumped ship 
into the east and west of Scotland leagues. But up here, the Highland League's obviously the fifth tier, and there's never been any relegation uh, out of that. And realistically, the teams below that, the juniors in the North Caledonian League, have never really, in, apart from a couple of cases, never really wanted to step up. But the sort of powers that be have said that they want a pyramid structure in place so that's what it looks like they're going to have with the bottom side face in the Highland League facing either the North Caledonian champions, the North Super League champions or the East Super League champions from next season by the, the sounds of things but the issue at this stage is obviously you've got to have certain licenses and facilities and things to join the Highland League SFA license and things like that and right now we believe the only two I think the only two sides in those leagues that we mentioned that have those licenses are Goldsby Sutherland and Banks of D and their thoughts on the if they were in the position to go up their thoughts may change but I know previously from speaking to Banks of D it's although they have applied in the past the Highland League it's not something they would be particularly keen on doing because of the the reason they get a lot of their players is they've got a lot of guys who were in the Highland League who've decided they went in the Aberdeen area who've dropped down to play for Banks of D because they decided it would suit them better with less travelling and sort of less commitment to a degree, if you like. So that's their angle. And I know um, previously, again, Goldsby Sutherland a few years ago now had the, quite a few actually maybe, had the chance to they were invited and asked if they would like to move up into the Highland League, but at that time they sort of felt um, with where they were based and Brora also being in the league that the sort of local community and business community perhaps wasn't big enough to support two Highland League clubs, so they opted to remain in the North Caledonian League. So it would be interesting to see perhaps if they were in that position again, if they did you know, decide they wanted to step up, but there's a lot. There's a lot of things you can discuss and debate about the the whole proposal. Anyway, it's interesting because you've just touched something's happened today that basically sums up what you've just said, Callum. That's, that's Craig McCaskill being sold by Keith to Banks of D. Um, that comes after McCaskill had told the Maroons that he couldn't commit to the travelling and playing commitments. I guess of. of of going to Keith and, and playing in the Highland League next season, so he's he's come back to an Aberdeen team to to continue his career. So clearly, he's he's the sort of guy that Banks of D wouldn't be getting, I guess, if they were in the Highland League because it's just it's not it's not feasible for for some players. Um, it, but what what I do like about this overall is we will find out which clubs genuinely have the aspiration to go up. Because it's it's all well and good saying, well, we, we look at guys in a specific market because geographically it suits them, and we're the biggest club there at a lower level. But if you're as a club looking to progress, then surely you just have to tweak that signing policy, if you like, and eventually build the squad that is willing to go on that journey with you, don't you? I think the answer to that third is kind of yes and no because the pro. I know from speaking to people, the problem, uh, certainly in the sort of Aberdeen northeast area at the moment, is that there's only the pool of players seems or pool of players that you're able to sign that are 
at high, you know, that are good enough and willing to play at Highland League level seems to be diminishing because in the sort of Aberdeen North Northeast market, I can't, I can't Fraserburgh out of it because with the amount of sort of local Peterhead and Fraserburgh players that they have, they're kind of not fishing in that market so much. But out with them, you've kind of got Devonvale, Turriff, Keith, Bucky, Huntley, Inveruri, for Martin, plus you know your bank in the juniors, your banks of these Bridge of Dons, Dice, etc. All sort of you know in the same looking in the same pool of players really for who they can fishing in, the fish in the same waters. The the phrase and for the likes of your banks of D or your Bridge of Dons or your Dice as we've sort of discussed there, and you mentioned Craig McCaskill, and there's been others, Chris Angus going to Bridge of Dawn last, uh, last season was one as well, where if the opportunity, if, if they were going up, it, you know, how many players, they might, are there better players that they might lose because they were going up, and then how, how they then attract, you know, the players who are willing to go and play in the Highland League might be... Uh, a difficult one, and I'd imagine, not that I, I don't know it quite so well, but I'd imagine the sort of market around, or the pool around Inverness is much the same, where you've got, you know, Clach, Nairn, Brora, Rothis, uh, Bucky even as well, Lossiemouth even potentially. You know, there's, a, again, a, a lot of players... That they say the same club for us as well. I should mention as well, a lot of clubs are all looking at the same players. So it's quite in, interesting how it how it would sort of balance out. Because the other, the final point I would make on it as well, speaking to somebody the other day about it, is the difference now is more and more young players, and it from Inverness and Aberdeen and Elgin as well, move away somewhere else to go to university for example whereas a lot of players who will maybe play in a club's youth system until they're 16, 17, 18 they then move away to university and then might end up you know signing for a lowland league team or a university team or that or end up staying down in the central belt or whatever and there's sort of a drain of players that clubs are losing that way as well. That concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Paul, Callum and Andy for joining me today. Cheers, guys. You're welcome. Thank you very much. No bother. Before we head off, we should say congratulations to Mint Law's own Kim Little for making the Olympic squad for Team GB and also congratulations to Christy Grimshaw of Stonehaven for being called up to the Scotland women's squad for the first time. She obviously plies her trade with AC Milan at the moment. We'll all be enjoying, hopefully, Holland v Scotland tomorrow, the first, the first win of the summer the Scots maybe in the friendly that they're playing um, hopefully you enjoy it too and if you've enjoyed this podcast you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app you can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and until next time see you later Hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.